Welcome and thank you for joining us on Inside Bend, a podcast where we get an inside look at the city of Bend from the people who keep our city running. You'll hear about the innovative ways our local government is responding to our community's needs and helping shape Bend's future. I'm your host, Jacob Larson. On today's episode, we're joined by Chief Todd Riley from Bend Fire and Rescue. As we move closer and closer to summer, our risk for wildfire continues to increase. Chief Riley and I discuss what the city is doing to help reduce the risk of wildfire and what the community can do to help. Okay, let's get into our conversation now. Okay, today on the podcast, I am joined by Bend Fire and Rescue Chief Todd Riley. Todd, thank you so much for joining me uh, today on the podcast. You are welcome, Jacob. It's nice to be here with you. Today, we're talking uh, wildfire safety um, as we kind of move into that season. Um, But before we dive into all that, maybe just start by letting me know how long you have been here at Bend Fire and Rescue. Uh, Coming up this October, it will be my 20-year anniversary here in this organization. Uh, been in the fire service since uh, 1999. So yeah, been in been in Central Oregon for a while. Right. And what kind of um, made you want to become a firefighter in the first place? There's a lot of reasons that sort of coalesce into like, wow, there's a job that I can get paid to do the things that I love. And so I grew up as a as a team sport athlete. And this I mean, firefighters, we we do everything in groups of anywhere from two to five. And our job literally is to solve other people's problems. Now, it's not necessarily fire or EMS. It's, it's if you think about somebody has a problem, they don't know who to call, they call the fire department. And I like to think that I'm a problem solver by nature. And so when you combine those two things of, you know, being able to help people doing it with a team of like minded folks, and then it also feeds the this really innate desire I have to give back to the community. And there's no better way to do so than in somebody's time of need. So it's, it's been a wonderful opportunity. I'll be honest with you. I stumbled into it when I was in college. I, I didn't, I didn't come from a family of firefighters or anything like that. And so when I, when I really announced to my family, I was going to pursue this career. I just, they, I was met with blank stares. And so I'm glad to see that it's well, hopefully working out. So how is your department then able to kind of keep that that growth mindset and adapt to the growth and change that we are seeing in our community? Yeah, and, I, and I appreciate you putting those two words together, growth and change, because for us as emergency responders, our response model is changing as the community grows because expectations are evolving. I think this the the process of first responders educating the public never stops. And I'll be honest with you, that was one of the particular challenges of COVID because we were no longer able to go to schools and we are no longer able to meet with community groups just to tell our story. And so that, that was that was challenging. I know we're very excited to be able to get back out there and 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 meet the community where where they are, not where we are. And one of those educational um, aspects uh, here in Bend because of the location that we're in is wildfire safety. Um, and that's what we're here to, to chat about today. I guess my first question, this might be the obvious question, but why is it so important to make sure that we're prepared and ready for a wildfire in and around Bend? Our town has been built in a place that has had, has, they've had, there's been fires here longer than people have been here. Many of the folks that live here now didn't experience some of our most devastating fires that happened in the 90s. And matter of fact, you know, the Tethro neighborhood on the west side of town is in the burn scar 
from the Aubrey Hall fire. So it's again, it's we're building homes into the forest and you know, take a typical thunderstorm that rolls through that doesn't get a lot of rain. If we get ignitions in the forest and they get a head start and they come towards our town, um, there's we're built in the forest. And yeah, you can if you look towards the east side of our town, it's less forested, but there's still fuels that can carry fire. So it's living in the wildland urban interface makes wildfire our biggest risk. And we know fire will come to bend. It, it, it's inevitable. Um, and so I think we have to do our best not only to educate the community, but also be as prepared as possible as first responders to handle it when it does come, because it is coming. And so what is um, your department then doing to kind of help the community be more resilient to wildfires or kind of lower those wildfire risks? That So there's a lot we can do, but I, I also want to stress that your local fire department, Ben Fire and Rescue, we are the responders. When there's smoke in the air and somebody calls in a fire, we are going to put that fire out. We also have very robust response agreements with adjacent departments. We're actually, we're a model for the West. What we have is when there's smoke in the air, we'll send our fire department, we'll send the US Forest Service, ODF, BLM, Deschutes County Sheriff's, uh, State Fire Marshal's Office is aware. We all go first and then figure out whose responsibility is later because we all know if we stop it when it's small and it doesn't get big uh, we can alleviate a lot of these problems and i know that that there's a lot of attention right now on the on the juniper ridge area up on the north end of town and we have an opportunity now with new firefighters in an academy that they need some training in wildland they need some training in chainsaw work so we're partnering with the county and we're gonna get out into that Juniper Ridge area and we're gonna do our best to clean up fuels, um, remove ladder fuels, that means limb up trees, take out some brush that, that could be problematic, improve roadways while we're in there. And we're also gonna partner with the jail and get inmate crews out there. Cause again, it's the more hands we have out there doing the work now, the smaller the fire will stay if it happens this summer. Um, and I think lastly, another thing that we're doing to help our community's resilience to wildfires is mm -hmm. supporting initiatives like Fire Free. We have partnered with the landfill to allow folks to drop off yard debris waste for two weeks. And that starts April 30th to, to May 15th. You can bring yard debris to the landfill for free. And it's really important to give homeowners, not only the, they feel the responsibility to clean up their property, but then allow them to dispose of it and keep that cost minimal. Yeah, and we do have some great resources for the community. One of those being the Own Your Zone campaign that breaks down someone's property into three different zones and gives some great tips on how you can reduce wildfire fuels uh, in each of those zones to help protect your home and therefore protect the community. Um, but but why is it so important that the community does its part to help with wildfire resiliency? It's perhaps the most important aspect of community resiliency, and that's homeowner taking accountability for their property. What we came up with was a program that is supportive of the concept of defensible space. So defensible space is non-combustible um, buffer between a wildfire and your home. And we branded this as Own Your Zone, okay? And there's a website you can go to and get more information on this, and that's ownyourzonebend.org. And in there, it's really prescriptive. It's really simple. So it, and it pertains to everybody. It doesn't matter if you have large acreage and a house or a couple of structures on it, or 
It's just a single family ho home in town. If we're supporting defensible space and you save your home, that means your neighbor's home has also been saved. Think about it, it, and I'll put it in the context of the fire department responding into a house fire, okay? We can come in and we can fight a house fire. If two houses are on fire, it takes more resources for us to come in. If three houses are on fire, we're at risk of losing a neighborhood. Now I say all of that to say this, if there's already a wildfire burning that's coming towards us and your house catches on fire, we're already busy attacking this wildland fire. So protecting your home can potentially save your community. And that's why we need community and neighborhood buy-in to this program. And you kind of were talking about, um, you know, the worst case scenario there if, if homes start catching on fire. So I know you as the fire department don't run evacuations, but um, worst case scenario, we start to see a wildfire creeping in towards the city. What's kind of the plan for evacuations? I think we get that a lot. Um, and you partner with the the sheriff, the sheriff's office as far as uh, coordinating all that. But what's kind of the plan? We get that question a lot on social media, especially when things start to dry out. 100% folks. And, and it's I'm glad that folks are paying attention to this because knowing how you're going to get out of your neighborhood if you need to is really important. Consider the chaos that might ensue if a wildland fire is coming in. You have reduced visibility when a wildfire is coming into town. There's a lot going on. At your fire department, we are going to be responding towards this potential congestion. So what we need is an orderly and systematic evac evacuation, which requires um, some forethought. Now, we know that not every neighborhood has two or three different ways out of it. There's some that really just have one way out. And that is the reality of our situation. And we're not unique. That is duplicated in, in every community across the West. There's going to be neighborhoods that are like, yep, this one is, uh, is going to have a congested evacuation. What we are doing is we are making sure that community members are heard. If somebody comes to us, comes to us and says, what is our evacuation plan? We support that concern. We bring the Shoots County Sheriff's in and we bring Ben Police in and say, okay, this community has a concern. Let's go talk to them and see, first of all, what their concern is and how we can help alleviate their, their fear and anxiety. Maybe explain the, the ready, set, go tiered um, evacuation response that is in place here in Oregon. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think what's important to, to mention is the only way this works is if community members are signing up to receive these alerts. So everbridge.net. Um, and it's run through Deschutes County. So you can find that, that website, get on it and register. And if you are on it and register through everbridge.net, you can, you can choose your notification preference, right? So if you're a text message person, or if you'd rather have a phone call or an email, it's set up again, much like, okay, here's your warning. Okay. That would be level one. There's something happening. There's a fire on the landscape. It's, it's near where you are registered as a user. Okay. And so you can just you're be ready, whatever that means to you to be ready. If you grab your um, essential documents or get pet materials ready, things like that, maybe a couple of whatever you deem important, you're ready to go because things can go from level one to level three in an instant. And so you're like people can say, wait, I did. I never got my level two be set notification. So level two is be set like, OK, this fire has great potential to impact you. Maybe not immediately, but it's you are in the path of it. And so that be set means, OK, you now gathered your stuff, get it in the car. Uh, make sure you've got extra food, water, blankets and all all the things you need to make sure you get your medications um, and you are ready to go. And I think many people take that uh, the level two or 
be set as that's that's enough. I've 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 heard what I needed to hear, and they maybe go to a, a different part of town where they have a friend or a family member, someplace where they can at least reduce the anxiety of getting caught in what will be a chaotic evacuation. But if for whatever reason you didn't leave and you're in your home when level three or go is activated, that means your time to prep and gather has passed. Grab your family members and your pets if they fit in your car and leave. If you choose to stay when that level three has been ordered, know that we may not be able to come and help you if all of a sudden your situation becomes dire. We will if we can, but we may not be able to. So again, there's a lot of personal accountability. When people choose not to go, it puts themselves and first responders in great danger. So I, I kind of wanted to pivot a little bit, and this was something you touched on um, earlier as far as um, you and your department responding um, to different calls, could be anything like you said. How are you and the department um, keeping up with that growth and that increased demand um, with kind of the same amount of resources that you've had? And I'll, I'll start by saying we are doing our best, right? There is, we have a finite amount of resources, okay? On any given day, the, the fire engines and the ambulances that we have are set. And so if call volume spikes in any particular time of the day, we can find ourselves out of resources, which means we'll get to you as soon as we can, but right now all units are tied up. And so what we what we try to do is stay ahead of this call volume increase. Now I will say this, call volume has increased faster than anything that we projected. We're 16% higher call volume this year over last, but our staffing hasn't increased at all. So what that means is, we're sending the same resources to more calls, which means it could either take us longer to get there, or it could mean we don't have anybody available for a short amount of time. And that's not a position we like to be in at all. We want to provide that exceptional customer service as soon as somebody picks up the phone. So for us, we just have to do the best that we can with what we have, first of all. Second of all, make sure that we're maximizing the efficiency in our deployment. When I say deployment, like how we respond to calls. And so we, again, we look at what is the biggest driver of our calls for service, and that's our ambulance system. So emergency medical services is what people call us for roughly 84% of the time. And so to have Paramedics on the road is really important. Now, we have paramedics on the road on engines, on ambulances, in the quick response vehicle. Like there's there's paramedics out in the system, which is why it's really important. We're not just, if we just have a bunch of ambulances, okay, that might solve the EMS problem. But then folks are going to say, well, what happens when my house catches on fire or I have a vehicle accident? So we're, we have a lot of um, needs that we're juggling and providing Advanced life support engines and advanced life support transport to hospital is important, but also we provide a basic life support transport system. So it's a lower level of care. They have, they're not paramedics, they're EMTs. However, we only send them to the call where an EMT is needed. And the reason why this works so well is because, and I'll just use myself for an example. Let's say I am at home with a loved one. Let's say I've been sick for a week. Maybe my temperature is elevated. I'm getting dehydrated. I don't feel very good. 
and I'd call 911 because I need to go to the hospital. Through the questioning, they can determine, okay, you're going to get a basic life support ambulance to take you to the hospital because I don't meet the criteria for, for advanced care. And then if my loved one suffers a, a heart attack or a stroke, an emergency responder is available to go help my family member. If that basic life support system wasn't in place, I would be getting a paramedic for my level of care, leaving my loved one exposed to, okay, maybe there's a paramedic coming, but maybe from across town. And so our location of resources is important. We're scattered across Bend. We have stations north, south, east, and west. That's strategic, so we can hit all parts of the city. But if that South Station crew is occupied on a call and there's another emergency down south, you're still going to get help, but that help is coming from farther away. And so we're doing our best to meet the needs of this growing community, but really what it comes down to at this point is increasing the number of resources that we have. Definitely. Um, what's what's kind of the favorite part of your job now that you are um, chief, since you don't get to go out in the field every day anymore? Yeah. and. Being out in the field, responding to a responding to calls is that is still the that is the desire, and that um, that's when you know you're making a difference. Now I know when you promote up and you and you become a chief, that's not your role anymore. We have professionals in this organization that are they're far better trained than I am today. They're they are ready to respond. So my role now, and the thing that I like best about this job is. It's the pride that I feel to be associated with this fire department. I'm really, really proud of the professionals that we have working for here. They are, I'll just say they are exceptional. They not only as paramedics, but also as firefighters. And that's reflective of how the community feels about them. We're, we're well supported. We are always encouraged by members of the community. And so for us, it's, I get to, I get to lead this group of exceptional people that are providing an exceptional service. And so that's the thing that gets me up every morning and it gets me coming to work is the work's not done. I mean, there's still plenty of things that we can do better. There's models that we're looking at that we're not doing today that maybe we can do in the future. Um, we're growing, which means the needs are growing, which means I need to pay attention to us strategically, not only in how we deploy, but also our budget. Um, it's just, it, it never ends. I am truly thankful that we're on this side of the pandemic because that was a challenging couple of years for not only everybody, but but public safety in particular, because we we never stopped coming to work. So it was a it was a challenging couple of years for for the men and women that, that work here. And, and I'm just I, I'm doing the best that I can to make sure that morale stays high and people are still excited to come to work and trying to focus back again when I talk to firefighters, just remember why you got into this line of work. And if you remember the why, then a lot of these things that we think are problems, they, they can fall away. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate your time. Jacob, it was nice talking to you. I hope you have a nice day. Thank you. A big thank you to Chief Riley for being our guest on the podcast. If you'd like to learn more wildfire safety tips, head to ownyourzonebend.org. Thank you for tuning in to Inside Bend. If you enjoy listening, don't forget to subscribe and you can check back each month for new episodes. And also a very special thank you to the Pitchfork Revolution for providing us with this music. Music.